Welcome to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. The Rise Up Network is committed to sharing those stories of servant leaders, those men and women, those Americans that are making a difference in their community. And it is my privilege and my honor to host this show, really just as a steward and a platform for others to share their message and share the impact that they're having out in the community. I have, a, I have a great guest, you know, someone that I'm excited to share, and I'm happy to say they are a repeat offender, if you will, um, and someone that I'm also proud to call a personal friend. Um, this person is the definition of servant leader and putting community in others before himself and his family, and has a great story to tell about leaving that safe job and going with what God tells you to do and be of service to the community and others in starting a nonprofit in service of Christ. Um, so I have the founder and CEO of the Urban Youth Collaborative, Nate Landis. Dr. Nate Landis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, James. Good to be here. Absolutely. And, and you know, thanks for coming back on. And, you know, COVID times, we're being uh, responsible. So we're doing this via Zoom, you know, for now. So I appreciate you being flexible with us. Of course. Um, let's just give the network, because I know a lot of the network knows who you are and they're, and they're familiar with the Urban Youth Collaborative, you know, UYC. And then there's plenty that are watching this and seeing this that are not. So if you would just, you know, share the mission and what you guys are up to. Yeah. Well, thank you. Urban Youth Collaborative is a group of churches. I'm a local pastor and we represent 100 congregations in San Diego and we support motivational outreach, faith-based Bible clubs that meet on public school campuses. And so there's a lot of misunderstandings about the separation of church and state and what that does and doesn't mean. But kids who want to talk about faith and share their love of Christ, it's a good, good, it's a good Friday uh, conversation to talk about this because uh, kids that want to represent Jesus at their school can gather friends in a voluntary space. It's got to be voluntary to attend. They've got to meet during non-instructional time, and it's got to be uh, student-led. Those are the three variables. And then voluntary, student-led, free time. Yeah, free time. So before school, lunch, or after school. And, and, then, then, and then you're safe there with kind of church and state rules. Exactly. So if those three, uh, if those three variables are in play, kids can invite their friends they can serve food. They can invite a guest speaker. So just like the surf team could have Matt Beecham come in and talk to them about the finer points of, of surfing a break, these Christian kids can come in and invite a pastor to talk about what the meaning of Easter is, for example, and how faith could become real in the lives of teens and how the struggles and pain and dreams that they're experiencing could be met with the love and power of Christ. And so that was a discovery for me. Uh, I, I've been to way too much school in my life uh, in pastoral training, but no one ever told me that kids could have a faith-based meeting at a public school. It wasn't in the curriculum in my undergrad, my graduate, or my doctoral work. And then my mom, God rest her soul, she uh, was in education, went back to school later in life and got a doctorate in education and she came to San Diego to see one of these outreach Bible clubs led by kids, and she was sitting in the back, and it was around this time of year, and kids were going forward for prayer voluntarily in this meeting because they were seniors getting ready to graduate, and they were charting a course to an uncertain future, and they wanted God to direct them and bless them and guide them, and, and so my mom's sitting in the back, and she starts crying 
in part because she's proud of her son. He's not in jail. He's doing something worthwhile with his life. But right. she was also just shocked and stunned that this is possible. So if I've been to the highest level of education for pastors and haven't heard of this, and my mom, as another sample, has been to the highest level of education for educators, and she hasn't heard of this, then it's the best kept secret that needs to be out in our community that God isn't absent from public schools. I've heard it said that anytime there's a test at school, there's prayer. Yeah, that's right. Anytime there's a kid asking uh, for a date to prom, there's probably a prayer breathed before he says it or she pops the question. But uh, there's all these opportunities for kids to represent faith and it's voluntary, like we said. So kids mm -hmm. have the right to not go and there's no penalty if they don't go. And that's how God operates. Love requires freedom. And so you get to decide if you accept or reject the communication event. But I want kids to have that opportunity to hear because what breaks my heart is the fact that most kids go through school, they get their diploma and they graduate and they've never heard that there's a God that loves them. Mm. I, had, I had a kid who came up to us at the end of a Bible study at a local high school in Kearney Mesa. And there was a student leader that was praying that year. And he goes, man, does, does my leading of this club really make a difference? I'm, I'm a junior in high school. I'm playing football. I'm getting ready for college. I'm sacrificing a lot of time. Do my puffs of air make a real impact? So he kind of felt alone, but he was being faithful. So he prayed this prayer, James. And I'm sure some listeners also may have prayed it. It was sort of like, God, if you want to have me keep doing this, give me a sign. Give me and a sign. Anything, right? So Gideon and the fleece getting ready for battle. That was, that was a sign I read about yesterday uh, in the Bible. And so this kid says, give me a sign. And I'll never forget this story. The next week, he does his Bible study, serves pizza, leads his friends. They came, and, and uh, I was also one of the pastors supporting this club at the time. And in the back, this girl who never spoke came forward, and she said, I need to tell you something I haven't told anyone else. And he goes, oh, wow, what's that? She said, because of this club, I've now found out that God loves me. Something mm. so simple, but so radical and so transformational. She had never heard that before growing up in San Diego. And she was in high school, hadn't heard that. And she said, because I know God loves me, I've decided not to end the life of the baby that I'm carrying that I haven't told anybody about. Wow. So this kid looks up at the ceiling and says, God, I was hoping for something more direct, but this conversation will have to do. It right. was amazing. So that girl actually married her boyfriend, joined the partner church that was supporting the high school. She joined the leadership team of the Bible club and the club moved from a small classroom to the little theater, to the big auditorium at the high school. Cause there were over a hundred kids a week coming. So this Whoa. kid went from going, I feel all alone to I'm really glad I was faithful and courageous with my faith because God honored him and answered that prayer in a really clear way. So that's the power of getting to share the gospel in public schools because otherwise kids went here. And, and I just wanna make sure they don't say no because they haven't had a chance. If they say no, cause they've yeah. heard about it and they've considered it and God's gonna respect their choice and so will I. But my goal is to make sure people really understand and know the, the power of God's love and forgiveness and how that can transform a life. And then someone can be a leader that 
that may not have expected to be one and God will use them and their story and what he brought them through to give hope to others who are facing similar challenges. Yeah. And in, in different ways. And it's, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity to, to share Christ with kids and have them then decide for themselves. That's right. 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 But, but how many kids are there in these younger generations and they have no faith? Exactly. Maybe Jesus isn't for you. Maybe it's something else, but they have no faith. That's right. That's right. Faith is like that, 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 that source of love and light in, in a grounding for me. Absolutely. You know, and and for, for kids to grow up and not have that opportunity is such a missing. That's right. That's what motivates me. There are a million kids a year leaving church. Those are kids we've already when I say we, that's pastors that we've already gotten to who say, yep. this isn't relevant for me anymore. And they vote with their feet. And then there's 80, 90, 80 to 90% of kids in our city who aren't involved in church at all in the first place. So we're trying to go after those that haven't gotten involved yet. But I found that the way we keep kids too is by giving them meaningful ways to be a leader now, not just waiting until they're older. Like when you're 25 and can rent a, uh, a car without a surcharge and, and you, you know, settle down and have a marriage and a, and a mortgage from Synergy One Lending and you get to that level in your life, then God can use you. And, and my message is no, uh, the Bible says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the example now for other believers in faith and love and impurity. God can actually use young people to do things that matter today. So they're the church now. That's my message, not just uh, in the future. I think the reason all these kids are leaving church is because they are sort of sidelined in the toy department of human affairs and entertained and fun's an important part of God's kingdom. We have fun with kids, but I'm actually inviting them into this uh, call to make a difference in the world and saying, God needs you now and has a plan to use you now, not just for what you're going to abstain from, but for what you're going to go and do for him, what you say yes to, matters more than what you say no to. And and if I have a passionate yes in my life, it's easy to say no to the things that aren't good for me. And and so when kids discover that, it's just life-changing. And that's what I want them to be able to experience in high school. And and then I know once they get their diploma, if they've heard about Christ, they can chart a course towards significance, not just in this life, but forever. Amen to that. So, hey, I want to back up a little bit. Okay. And I, and, I, and I want to talk a little bit about your journey and your path. Okay. You know, give, give, give the audience a little bit about, you know, where did you grow up? What was, you know, what was faith like in your house as a kid, right? And then also what led you to this choice to actually leave your, your stable job and, and go out on a whim and be an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. and, and maybe share one or two challenges, you know, things you had to overcome. Super. So I'll start with the, how did I launch out? And then I'll kind of work backwards because the the seed God planted in me earlier in my life, I didn't, I didn't understand it all until it started to come true. That's kind of the deep part. So I was, I was a youth pastor at uh, a Presbyterian church downtown, well-paid mortgage uh, was covered by my salary. I had medical retirement, all of that. And, and they had set it up to be a, a career job in youth ministry. Some youth ministry jobs are just sort of set up to be temporary, just for lots of reasons. And this was one where they said, we want it to be stable for the, the kids in the community. So I got involved at the, the football 
program down the street. San Diego High School was eight blocks away from the church where I served. And I went to the coach along with another ministry leader and I proposed, I'll be on the sidelines on Fridays. I'll be rooting for your guys, praying for them. And I'll serve pregame meals to the players. I'll be a position coach in life, not just on the field. And if any crises happen throughout the year, I'll be there as a counselor and pastor. And um, we'll do a motivational pep talk before every game. And I'll help your kids succeed in life and not just on the gridiron. And I'll never forget the coach's response. He looks back at me and goes, sir, this was back in 2006, James. So San Diego High's come a long way in football. But he goes, sir, we were one in nine last year. Prayer couldn't hurt. <laughs> you can't fall from could the not floor. Hurt. Yeah, can't fall from the floor. And so I ended up getting involved with the football team. And then the faith club on campus, uh, they kept inviting me in to speak. And it grew from five kids to 25 to 75 kids a week, raising their hands in that voluntary environment we talked about earlier. And kids would come and hear about Jesus. And then they could decide what they do with it. And some kids decided, I want to follow Christ with my life. And they they made that commitment in their public school in front of their friends. It was just stunning for me because I would share the same stuff. I'm a guest preacher at churches. I had a youth group, but there's something about the hunger of those that haven't heard yet that help us see how exciting the message really is. And that's what keeps me young and keeps me uh, really vibrant in my faith. Cause I watch the power of that when it hits someone from the first, for the first time, because guys like you and me that have been around church a little bit, we've heard it too many times. And sometimes the wonder wears off. You know, yeah, it becomes repetitious. Yeah, that that life changing, eternity changing moment just yeah. gets dull for us because we've heard it too often. So being around people who see it for the first time helps me appreciate what I have. Uh, kind of like the weather in San Diego. We just get used to it. But then when you call a friend back in Boston and it's November and we're telling them about the beach walk we just went on and they're like snot sickles are freezing on their right. nose and they don't want right. to talk to you anymore. That helps us appreciate what we have. Right. I you talked know? to dad this morning. It's 32 back in Citroen, Massachusetts. Yeah, fur, like, right. Yeah. It's just another not, blanket. not nice to talk about the weather until about after Easter. Uh, so, so for me, uh, I just got really involved at this club. I watched the football team start to change. There were 18 academically ineligible players that couldn't keep a 2.0 GPA, which takes discipline in San Diego Unified to keep your grades that low. I like to joke. Right, that to takes have, effort. Yeah, you have to have an accountability partner, making sure you don't turn stuff in, making sure that you're mouthing off with the teacher, making sure you're skipping class. And, and so these guys got some tutoring from uh, the military. Our pastor had a relationship with some tutors that came in. So academically, they were growing. Athletically, uh, I don't take all the credit for it, but I was part of the recipe. Uh, they, they really did well on the football field eventually too. But that's what just started to hit the, the, the spark of God's word among those that hadn't heard and the hunger that they had just made me say, where's the best place for me to serve this with those that are really going to eat it up and appreciate it. So then I'm sitting in front of San Diego High, getting ready to pick up all these linemen for this pregame meal that we put on. And the bell rings and literally the sea of all these multiracial faces come pouring out of the high school and I couldn't move. I had to sit there in my car holding the steering wheel of my Nissan Xterra because I would have literally run some kids over if I would have moved. And there's always a lot of paperwork in California if you hit kids on the way to a youth event. So I had to just sit Probably there. Probably not good. Yeah, not good. And, and I had to, uh, just watching all these faces. And the first thought was just a moment of clarity and honesty for me where I said, 
these kids won't accidentally happen into my well-endowed Presbyterian church castle down the street. Right. If I build it, they won't come to me first. It was just an honest moment of, I get it. And then the next question was from God. And, and it was not out loud, but it was as clear as the conversation you and I are having this afternoon, where God says, who will go for us? Who will reach these kids? So I raised my hand in my heart. I'm kind of starting to cry. So I, I, I'm wiping tears because I don't want these linemen to think I'm soft when they're climbing into my car. Right, right. And yeah, it's good to see you guys. How are you? Jump in. Might freak them out. So I, I kind of clean myself up. I pick the kids up. They go to the game. And uh, I'm rooting for them. I'm pastoring them on the sideline. I go home to my wife. I'm still in my coach's gear. We're 18 months into our marriage. We have a mortgage. And I look at my wife. And I said, honey, I've got a brilliant idea. I said, I'm going to quit my job and go after the kids that not enough people are reaching. And without hesitating, this is how well I drafted James. She looks back at me and goes, I think that sounds fantastic, sweetheart. Thank you, God. I didn't know what she was Thank thinking. you, God. Yeah, no, no Christian women's group would have given her heck for saying, well, honey, let's pray more. Or Wait. are you sure you heard? Are you sure or, you heard something? Or you're hearing voices in your car. Uh, I'll support you, but I really think you need to see a good Christian shrink. I'll go with you, but let's get you some help, right? But she just said, this is something God's doing in your heart. So I stepped out in faith and uh, had, had this experience of leaving it all for the gospel. So if I look Jesus in the face, I could say, man, there was a time when I left everything to follow you. And I'm glad I did. Today we have uh, over 24 staff and full and part-time people. We, we have 100 clubs that we support in San Diego and Tijuana. And one of our students moved to Atlanta and took our program there. So we actually have four wow. staff in Atlanta doing our community service challenge as well. So grew up in a Christian house. So kind of rewinding backwards, like I said, yep. Yep. I now can sort of see what God was up to before I knew what he was up to. It's like he was the all-knowing deity and I was the creature or something. And uh, so he, he had this plan before I did. And uh, when I was a little kid, my mom led me to Christ when I was five. So I gave up hard drinking and hard living at five and came right. around. And, and Sounds like I some knew, tough choices. That's right. That's right. I, uh, I did know I needed a savior at that moment and didn't understand everything like the Trinity, but I knew Jesus loved me and died for my sins and I wanted to live forever with him. And so I said, that's good enough for me. Sign me up. And then when I was in sixth grade, I haven't told this story to very many people, but I, my dad was on a business trip and my mom was downstairs and I was sleeping in my bed. I, a Christian family, mom and dad both followed Jesus very closely. And, and um, I was waiting to fall asleep and I just felt this presence in my room. And, and I was like, this is really scary. What's going on? So I get up, I go downstairs and I was like, mom, something's going on. Did you call me or I felt like someone was in my room. And so she said, go back to sleep. It's probably nothing. I have a very active imagination. I'm very creative. So I'm sure she thought I was dreaming something up. So I go back to sleep or tried to anyway. And then it happened again. So I go downstairs, mom, what's going on? So then happened a third time. And then my mom gave me some really good advice. She said, if it happens again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And just like sort of the Samuel conversation with Eli mm. in the Old Testament. And so I said, okay. So once again, I kind of feel this, this sense of God being close to me in my room. And so I said, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And I saw this bright light. I saw the silhouette of a guy with a beard, couldn't see the face, but it was like a shadow. And I heard the phrase, oh, ye, my brother, which 
in the Bible, Jesus is described as the firstborn among many other brethren. So anytime there's like a dreamer vision or something out of the box, we have to test it with the Bible. So I've sort of determined that this fits. And then I saw this row of doors. It was like a mm. one part dream, one part vision. And there were all these doors as far as the eye could see and a line of people waiting to get into the doors. And mm. at each door was stationed a person and they were breaking off bread and handing it to people. And people were crossing over from being outside the door and not having bread to going through the door and getting bread. And as far as I could see was this row of doors. Didn't know what the heck that meant. But a couple of years ago, as I was watching all these kids pour out of the gymnasiums and the auditoriums and the classrooms, it hit me that all the doors in these public schools are painted a separate bright color. And the archway is just very bright and distinct. And that was God sort of showing me what my life was going to be about. Somehow in that dream in sixth grade, I knew I was in charge of setting this up and helping to oversee it. And it relies on all these other leaders staffing each of these doors. Each church is responsible for the door in their own neighborhood. But that vision of going after the generation that's lost so they can cross over from being outside to being inside and having no bread to getting the bread of life and the, the bread of pizza dough too. We do a lot of that. Physical food and spiritual food go well together. That was the vision God had given me in sixth grade from my family that came true many years later on the complete opposite side of the country. And that vision happened in the rural cornfields of Michigan. Uh, and so my dad was a professor at the University of Michigan. And literally to this day, that, that's still a dirt road. I took my kids back there a couple of years ago to see the house where this happened. And the road's still unpaved. Rural Michigan, corn rows, literally growing beside my house. God has such a sense of humor, James, to call me into uh, ministry in, in the urban world now, because I grew up in, in like a bubble, not knowing much of people who are different than me. And uh, I was able to experience things I never would have experienced if I wasn't following God. So I'm glad that I was able to do that. And uh, that's how it all started. Wow. Brother, you're amazing. You know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that testimony. Um, good on your mom. You know, yeah. You know, yeah, my call mom, out, call out kids, in prayer if you hear it again. My okay. mom always Boy, felt I. bad that she didn't lead more people to Christ. That was like her sort of private regret. But I know that everybody who comes to Jesus through our ministry is one of her spiritual grandkids. So she's got a she's lot working, of she's, she's working got, through you. She's got the lineage going, and you know. and it's going to pay off in the end. Well, and, and that's a you know a great point to you know my next question, which is. How many kids are you guys impacting every week? What do the numbers look like, um, you know, for, for uh, Urban Youth Collaborative? So good question. Before the COVID shutdown of schools happened uh, on Friday the 13th, March 13, 2020, we watched that dot on the San Diego district page go from green to yellow to orange to red. And we were reaching 3,500 kids a week at these different clubs in San Diego and in Tijuana. And so since then, we've been focusing on leaders and keeping a pilot light on at each school. And excuse me. And so now our, our weekly total, I can see our, our war room board behind me. Uh, we had 317 connections with leaders last week and 108 
campus ally connections. So the leaders, 317 is student leaders, middle school and high school kids who are yep. the core infrastructure of these clubs. So that number might sound a lot lower, but for me, it's encouraging to know that despite yeah. the COVID storm and winter, uh, we're engaged with all the leaders that are gonna go back and they're the pilot light that's gonna spark when these schools reopen again. 108 uh, faculty advisors, coaches, vice principals, maybe a security guard. Those are our campus allies that yeah. walk with us. And then I'm looking back at our board, 66 church partner relationships this last week. So that's a youth pastor, senior yeah. pastor. And normally we'd all gather in a classroom like I was describing. Yeah. We've had to find everybody separately, meet online like you and I are through Zoom yep. or meet outside. Uh, or right now sports teams have come back. So that's, that's allowed the chaplain ministry I described earlier in our call to continue. And that's been a really cool way for us to come alongside teams, even though schools aren't open yet, the sports teams are meeting and playing. So that's been a really practical way for us to engage with kids as well. So God's been faithful in the wilderness, James. We're, we're not going back to Egypt to shut down or furlough. That's not what God has for us. Uh, but we're eager to seek... Uh, just to see this reopening. In the meantime, we've been giving out a lot of PPE. One of our supporters gave us a very substantial gift that allowed us to give out uh, a whole bunch of just hand sanitizers, wipes, and little yep. keychain bracelets to keep kids safe and help schools open safely. Uh, we did a blanket drive over the holidays. One of our other supporters raised over 17 grand to give blankets out for kids that are living in homes that are unheated or homeless or couch surfing. And we've been able to give away a lot of food this year too. So we served 25,000 meals in partnership with San Diego Unified School District last year. And that's just a practical way of sharing the love of Jesus with kids that are trying to survive. The combo of being in poverty and having COVID is sort of something that's a double whammy and yeah. it exacer exacerbates a lot of the big problems that are already out there. And so we've been one part youth worker during this time and one part essential worker. And it's been uh, a real privilege. And I've been really proud of my team to see them step up and, and serve on the front lines in some of the most difficult territory. Kids are harder to get to now. However, when you get to them, they're more open to the love of Jesus because they've seen uh, some of the stuff we've been trusting in in our society fracture and crack. And it's making yeah. them open to the unshakable kingdom of God that that'll never pass away and that'll never fail us. Keeping them grounded. That's right. That's right. Nate, where, where, uh, where can our network, where can we find you? So if you want to check us out online at uyc.org, that's urban youth collaborative shortened uyc.org. And then you could also, uh, follow me at uh, on Instagram. It's Dr. Nate Landis at Dr. Nate Landis, all lowercase at Instagram. And then uh, I'm also on Facebook and, and other social media as well. And we'd be happy to share more of what we're doing. Uh, we have some videos we could send you. If somebody wants to see something in person, we are doing our Project 25 Community Service Challenge Celebration. That's Great. on May 7th in Lemon Grove. We'd be happy to give more information out about that. That's a celebration of the service projects young people yeah. have put together. And even though COVID's happening, 
And even though we've been in this lockdown, kids are still active and serving others and not just thinking about what's not going right for them. They're trying to make a difference and bring joy to somebody else. And that's always my favorite event of the year. So if people want to come join us and see that, or if they want to watch it online, we'll have uh, the virtual version will debut on May 16th. And Lecrae, the Grammy Award winning hip hop artist, is our speaker and our musician and artist for the Project 25 online version. So kids and adults would be excited to be a part of that. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we will have all that, folks. You know, easiest thing to do, write down or put in your phone, uic.org. Um, you can go on the website, check everything out. Um, you know, check out Project 25. You know, I have, uh, I have contributed and supported that and the organization as a whole uh, for several years now. And gosh, you'll be blown away by the projects that these middle schooler and high school kids come up with, you know, to serve their communities. It's just moving, moving. Um, and then follow, follow Nate on Instagram, you know, Dr. Nate Landis on Instagram, as well as on Facebook. Um, you know, from me to you as someone in the rise up network and watching or listening to this, you know, this is a special organization that's doing really important work in San Diego and Tijuana, and you need to check them out and see how you can participate. And if this is something that's on your heart, you know, maybe you contribute a couple bucks, maybe, you, maybe you go serve. Or maybe, you know, you or someone you know or loved one needs to hear the message and needs a conversation with Nate. You know, maybe you're drifting and you're not really grounded and guided. Maybe you don't have faith or you lost faith somewhere along the way. You know, Nate is one of the most selfless people that I know. I'm honored to call him a friend. And he is one of the least judgmental people I know. After all, he's a friend of mine. Um, but... <laughs> All kidding, all kidding aside, you know, Nate, you are a treasure to San Diego. It's, it's an honor to have you in the Rise Up Network. And I'm just so all in to support you and your mission. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, folks continuing to watch this and listen to this and hear this message, you know, get behind UIC, um, you know, and just further the impact and further the mission. Thank you. We're always looking for people that believe in the potential and the value of this next generation and what God wants to do through them. I, I really predict once schools reopen, uh, there'll be a new surge of interest in helping kids make it because we've all seen what happens when schools are shut. It's not good for anybody. And yeah. we've also seen uh, that church has to figure out a way to do something meaningful outside of the building. And that's what UIC is all about. The next generation and getting kids outside of the building to know that God's real and loves them and has a plan for their lives. Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, thank you for being on. Folks, remember, as always, the Rise Up Network, committed to sharing the stories of servant leaders, those men and women that are out there making a difference. Don't overthink it. That could be as simple as you, when you leave your house, wave to your neighbor. Be a little bit nicer to that coworker or the team member. You know, compliment your spouse or partner. Maybe it's been a little while, but share the love, be the light in others. That's what we're up to here at the Rise Up Network.